I am talking about genuine peace, not merely peace in our time, but peace in all time. People have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. You fool me, you can't get fooled again. I was a businessman doing business. By the military-industrial complex. And Corn Pop was a bad dude. And he ran a bunch of bad boys. Yes, we can. Thank you. We as a people will get to the promised land. Yo, everybody, welcome back to Politically Homeless. We're here doing it today. We are doing it today. I'm dragging some ass today, but it's okay. Sometimes you're dragging ass, you know? Sometimes that ass be dragging. That's all right. That's all right. Oh, man. What a night last night. What an underwhelming night last night. You stay up and you think, you know, I was expecting a Trump rally. I was expecting hype. I was expecting fireworks and explosions. And I was expecting 2016, 2017 Trump. And I got 2022 Trump, which is just an old orange man rambling and boring the fuck out of an entire room. Reportedly, even that people had to be, to be told not to leave. Um. So yeah, there's that. That that's happening. This is just a weird, a weird, weird time, you know. And uh, I think I think when I look at it, I was actually listening to Russell Brand and Eckhart Tolle or Eckhart Tolle, however you want to say it. I say I like to say Tolle. A little a little tilde on the e does it for me. Um, but maybe that's not right. Who knows? I'm sure he doesn't care. But I was listening to them talk about this and. Not Trump necessarily, but just in general, the media atmosphere and where we're at and how we're living. And this idea of crisis consciousness came up. And, you know, as somebody, and you're going to see a shift, I think. I'm, I'm really reevaluating the way that I'm doing this show and the way that I'm showing up online. Um, it, 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 to be completely frank, now that Trump's like out of the closet, he's doing, we're doing the thing here, like, it has not been good for my mental health or just my general state of, of well-being. Um, Pre-COVID was, you know, I definitely can get heated and fired up uh, about certain things that I'm passionate about. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a passionate person, but I had kind of overcome a lot of anger and frustration and resentment. Like that was, I spent years working on that myself, you know, and actually to the point where I was actually helping other people do similar things, right? Like I was, I was, uh, I was advocating for that and that was a priority in my life. And, and once COVID happened and then I got fucked by the way that that was the response to COVID. Um, and then I felt continually attacked and fucked and attacked and fucked by, by things that were outside of my control. I, found myself in a place of really like a lot of manifest, just fucking anger, you know, and it comes out in inappropriate times. And sometimes I think it's very appropriate. And I think there was a lot of utility in the way that I've done the show so far in the environment that we're in. But then I think, you know, when I look at this whole deal, I think, well, does this style of interaction, whether it's me whether it's Hassan Piker or like whoever the, you know, fill in the blank with Charlie Kirk, whatever this, like at some point you get yourself to a place where you benefit, you have perverse incentives and you benefit from the wrong things. You benefit from the anger, you benefit from the hate. And 
the division and, and no matter how much, you know, and that's maybe that's the division over people who think we should be divided or not. It's, it's just, it's fucking turtles all the way down, man. And so I've been shifting kind of where I'm putting my attention and focus and, and how I'm frankly living my life. And that's going to, you know, show itself in this, in this podcast to be sure. But Eckhart Tolle and, um, and, uh, Russell Brand, we're talking about crisis consciousness and this kind of addiction that we have to crisis consciousness. And if you think about that and the way that our kind of neurochemistry works, like we do get dopamine and oxytocin from feeling like we're part of a group and that we're fighting against a thing. And that's one thing about oxytocin that's really crazy. We call it like this love hormone, but it's really more nuanced than that. And when you think about being a part of a community, even if it's a community that's spewing hatred, will release oxytocin and hijack your fucking brain. And that's interesting. It's a very dynamic chemical that can do a lot of stuff and has a has an important utility in our day-to-day function, in our functions, in our lives. But this addiction to crisis consciousness on all ends of the spectrum, right? The media thrives on it. It's how they make their money. It's how they get their eyeballs on their, you know, or the ears on their, on their shit, um, on their ads, whatever. Uh, personally, I mean, we're not above that as a species. And I think that's important to note that like we live in this upregulated crisis consciousness and it becomes normal. So when you think about human behavior in general, we're all on something called like a hedonic treadmill, right? Like something that felt exciting or invigorating um, doesn't after a while, right? We need to go achieve that elsewhere. And sometimes that's good, right? It's like you get a promotion and you get you know a pay increase or something like that or you get married or these things happen then they become normal. You get a new car, right? For a while it's exciting and then eventually it just becomes the car you drive uh, or your wife or your job. And that... That hedonic treadmill, like that, that that feeling of of something exciting becoming normal, gives us the opportunity to to achieve and pursue more. And I think that we could, that can be hijacked when you combine that fundamental principle of human behavior with something like a crisis consciousness addiction, to where now we have to up level the crisis, up level the hatred, up-level the essentially disconnection from what actually we, we actually benefit from, right? So we're being manipulated on all fronts. And I, I look at the whole thing and think, wow, like this, this has got, this is going to break, right? Like this can't, you can't just keep doing this and expect it not to implode on itself. Um, and it will. Now what that will look like could take many forms, right? And one thing that Eckhart Tolle said was, there's going to be a great reset. Maybe it's not the one that Klaus Schwab wants, but there's going to be. And um, when we look at this whole thing and the amount of incompetence, incompetence combined with definitely some some nihilism, some frust- a bunch of frustration, some resentment, some hatred, some manipulation. Like you just said, we, we were just creating a brew here of fuckery, and it's – it's a lot for us, man. Like it is really, it's a lot, it's a lot for us to deal with as a, as individuals, as communities, as, as countries. Um, and to be completely honest, we're not doing a very good job at all. Like we're doing a really bad job. Um, so 
What do we do? You know, what do we do? What, and what can we do individually? And that's where I, I, I look at this thing and, and, and what we're doing here with politically homeless and this, as much as this kind of hurts, it's like, well, at the end of the day, we're delivering commentary on things that are generally impermanent um, that continue to churn and I'm beholden to a news cycle. Uh, so that's, that's, to me, that's really interesting. It's like you're being beholden to a news cycle that's there to manipulate people and you're trying to see through that and provide people with something that's, that's rational and pragmatic. But then at the end of the day, there's the, the level of impermanence, which is there's impermanence to everything, right? Like the, the attachment to permanence is, is a fool's errand, but aren't there, aren't there things to be done that allow for, isn't there a way to go about doing this that allows for something that actually has, that, that, that can create a substantive change in someone's life, right? Which is what I really enjoyed about what I, I used to do before the COVID re- response. And I think there's a, there's a way to bridge the gap there um, some, some way. And it's what I've been thinking about quite a lot, um, particularly as Prop 122 passed here in Colorado where psychedelics become more um, available in, in a regulated way. Like there's, there's, there's opportunities being brought, brought about that I think actually hold more, they hold more potential for improving people's quality of life at the end of the day. And that's, I feel like in this political game here, and the way that we're doing this and the way that this is just the way it's been set up, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not conducive. You're at odds with yourself to provide us a level of, 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 um, benefit to people, you know, and you're playing, I feel, I don't know. I don't know if I'm playing into the, playing into the shit that I hate, you know, like <laughs> you just become the things that you despise, but it's something I've noticed in my own life that I'm really trying to address. And it's a lot, you know, it's a lot to think about and it's, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know, but this whole idea of crisis consciousness has been kind of bouncing around in my dome for this week, and it's weird, you know, and and, and the levels we're operating at. It's like, I was actually talking talking to my wife last night about things, and I don't know if you guys have had this experience, but things before COVID, right? Like, we got some, we got a dog, and we had a dog uh, die, like, at the very early um, part of COVID, a puppy die, actually, like, things... I don't know if you guys were listening back in those days, but that was a different time, you know, and just things that have happened before COVID, how we met, what it meant, you know, it's just different stuff. And it feels like a million years ago and I feel like a different person. And I don't think it's all just because of the past, you know, that was four years ago. Like that doesn't, it doesn't feel like four years. It feels like 10 <laughs> and, and part of me now, and I don't know if any of you are there as well, maybe you get consumed into all of this, but like, man, I really kind of just want to go back to being that person. Like I feel almost like I was robbed of a version of myself that I'd actually really enjoyed. Um, and uh, I definitely have responsibility in that, but I don't know. The way that I see engagement among individuals right now. It's just sad. You know, it's like the whole thing is just, I think there's something, I think there's something better. I think there's something better to be done. 
Uh, I'm not exactly sure what that is, and I didn't really even plan on talking about this, but here we are. Uh, I think there's something better to be done and um, a different way to go about doing it, and um, maybe we'll figure that out. But that gives me some things to, I don't know, maybe we're doing something to think about at the beginning of the show today. But you can tell this vibe is a little bit different. <laughs> my vibe is a little bit different today. Uh, my Also, my, my microdose of LSD yesterday ended up being a little bit more than what I bargained for. So I'm a little bit mm, depleted today. But yesterday I was running at 1,000. Anyways, let's get to the state of things. We're talking about Trump's announcement, obviously. we got some Ukraine updates and uh, some student debt stuff. And then, and something to think about, we're going to talk about, uh, well, we're going to talk about um, what's best for Republicans going forward and potentially best for the country. But what's best for the Republicans or the Democrats individually is very rarely what's best for the country. Either way, let's get into the state of things right now. Okay, it happened, everybody. Oh, my God, it's happening. It's happening. Trump announced that he is running for president in 2024. And the crowd goes wild. It was quite possibly one of the most underwhelming experiences. Like, I... So here's, here's the way it went down. I got the time wrong. I'm time change. I fucked it up. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'm looking ready for this. Where's it at? And then I'm like, well, I've got an hour or two hours until it even comes on. So I went to the dispensary, got out of the house, got some of that dank herb, um, which I don't, I'm trying to smoke a little bit less, but I felt like this was a good time for it. Um, made a little dinner, made some, made some, uh, some mule deer that I shot last weekend, which was very nice. Good times. Uh, made some mule deer, did some things. Um, and watched this event. And by about 10 minutes in after he, like after he actually announced and just kept rambling, I was like, I just quit listening. I was, I was watching the breaking point stuff. And usually even when breaking points is bored, boring, like, and that happens sometimes because they cover the news and sometimes the news is boring. And I appreciate that. Even watching them, I was like, I'm so bored listening to these people talk about this. Like, I'm a, and I can't be the only one. I mean, let me know. Please, let me know if I'm the only one that was like, holy shit, that was fucking boring. Like, this guy should have announced this at a rally with people that were excited. He didn't even seem like himself. I was like, who is this guy? And it's like, it's almost, it's it's kind of like the Wizard of Oz. You know what I mean? It's like you, you finally saw behind the curtain. At the end of the day, it's like an 80-year-old man who's painted orange and just is exhausted and of course I mean it's it, he's exhausted he's exhausting he's he's thirsty he's desperate it's just it's not you know Trump had created this facade right that was his whole brand was making the Trump name a brand that seemed I don't know it seemed rich to people who weren't rich that's what Trump is that's what Trumpism is, right? It seems nice if you don't really know what nice shit is. You know what I mean? Like, it's tacky as fuck. It's like Kid Rock nice. That's what fucking, you know what I'm saying? Like, that. it's that vibe. Now, Kid, Kid Rock is legitimately wealthy, but you see what I'm saying, right? And even the announcement was like, Mar-a-Lago, even looking at that room, is like, it's gaudy as fuck. Right? Just like, it's gross. 
it's it's a different it's from a different era it worked in the 90s and the in the early 2000s i don't and it lingered on he became the president because hillary clinton was a terrible candidate and ran a terrible campaign and was anti-democratic in the way that she handled the primaries it was gross the dnc is disgusting we all know this but it's like i feel like the sugar high is over here I feel like the sugar high is over, and it almost felt like a distraction from the real world that just didn't land. That's what I was looking at. This reminds me of when Neil Young like, left Spotify over Joe Rogan, and people were like, who fucking cares? Like, You know what I mean? It's like he made this bold announcement, I'm leaving Spotify because of Joe Rogan's anti-vax, whatever. And it was like, bro, how many, how many people listen to your shit a month? Like, 400 like leave us the fuck alone and it felt like that it's like a an old rock star coming out and trying to play the hits like if you ever went and watched like bob dylan tour like in the in the last 10 years it's like it's not really bob dylan you know i went and saw the eagles in 2010 i think right and they're still go- doing shows but it was like i saw the eagles for sure it was that was the, it was the guys but if I, it wasn't me like seeing the eagles in the 80s you know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't it wasn't the same show. It was it was a show and I enjoyed it and they could still sing pretty well, but it wasn't like the Eagles. And I knew that because my stepdad had seen, seen the Eagles in their prime and he was like, "Yeah, dude, like they used to put on a fucking show." And so it's like that's it, it felt like a washed up rock star trying to reach into the greatest hits. I mean, the guy talked about like there hasn't been an Islamic attack in the United States for 30 years because because of him it was the weirdest it was like what what the fuck is this guy talking about and i want to i got really wanted to go through the thing and like pick out a few things but there just wasn't that much there there's not that much to say we can have the clip where it's like hey i'm i'm you know and i'm running for president people are like yay but even the applause even the excitement even the buzz just it didn't have that you know and when he was doing rallies for other people not that i like stay in tune with those but like they were pretty good you know and i feel like it could have come out and been like say a few of the things people want you know like back to the like maybe build the wall maybe talk about critical race theory or the radical left like people the things that people want to hear about which most of it's just rhetoric right that's not coming out with policy plans um the boy you know just do his thing right the greatest hits and be like that's why we're gonna fucking make america great again i'm running for president 2024 da, 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 da. like let's fucking do this thing this is our campaign get everybody hyped everybody's screaming it's 10 minutes a 10 minute speech cut that bitch off and get the fuck out of there and then let the media speculate on what you're gonna do how it's gonna go oh my goodness because you know if you manipulate the media media into that they can, they'll speculate all week long that's all you hear about it's like t- t- talking about this because you left so much room for the imagination to run wild, right? You should just be giving them a little sample and let them do, let them run with it. But he didn't do that. He didn't do that. He bored the fucking pants off of everybody. Honestly, almost as bad as Joe Biden in the way that he like just rambled on and on. You know, I mean, Jesus Christ. And then he also said some crazy. I mean, it was like I was as I was watching it before I completely zoned out. I was like, yeah, that makes some sense. Oh, that's fucking stupid. I mean, it's just like, it's the same shit. And everybody's exhausted of it. It's the end of a sugar high, right? That's where we're at. We're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're going. And then everybody's like, downregulate. That's what it feels like right now. But there was one thing I wanted to point out here. One thing I wanted to show that just was like, <sighs> shows how disconnected from his base he actually is many times. Um, 
because there's a lot of like we're, we're a lot of libertarian like leaning po- folks, and all of those people are now DeSantis guys because of the way that DeSantis handled COVID. Now I don't know much about DeSantis outside of what he did with COVID, right? That was really my primary. It's most of our primary uh, primary understanding of DeSantis is COVID. That was he was he was just another governor. Like how many governors in the country can you even name? Right? I can say Greg Abbott, uh, Gretchen Whitmer, Jared Polis because I live here. Um, Ron DeSantis, Gavin Newsom. Um, I forget the lady's name in New York. I, I, it, I don't know. We don't know that many, right? I mean, I, I mean, maybe you know more, but you don't know 50, I'm assuming, right? And pre-COVID, uh, Ron DeSantis was just the governor of Florida. And then thanks to, the, thanks to the way he handled COVID and the way that he was attacked for it and then justified in his in his actions, he became a fucking celebrity. I don't think pre-COVID, Ron DeSantis was thinking he'd be running for president in 2024. You know, but now, he, all he has to do is just sit and wait for eight months and then denounce whenever whenever Trump's at his lowest, which is going to be, people, we're going to get bored of this. Americans just get fucking bored. <laughs> like, that's part of the, the problem here, is that people just have zero attention span. It's crazy. So anyways, let's listen to what Trump has to say about drugs. Now they're getting $4 billion dollars we will wage war upon the cartels and stop the fentanyl and deadly drugs from killing 200,000 Americans per year. And I will ask Congress for legislation ensuring that drug dealers and human traffickers, these are terrible, terrible, horrible people who are responsible for death, carnage, and crime all over our country. Every drug dealer during his or her life on average, will kill 500 people with the drugs they sell. Every drug dealer in his or her life, on average, will kill 500 people with the drugs they sell? That is some Nixon-Reagan-era fucking nonsense. Listen to those words. Every drug dealer will, on average, kill 500 people with the drugs they sell? That is the dumbest... I think you could probably sell just fentanyl and not kill 500 people. That is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. And listen, I have, I've had drug dealers. I don't have one now, but I've had drug dealers, right? Well, no, I still do. Delightful people. Always been great. You know, maybe someone want to take advantage, especially with college students and buying weed and stuff. But like a lot of you had drug dealers. A lot of people in this fucking room with him have drug dealers. And there's nothing better than a good drug dealer, guys. There is nothing better than a good drug dealer. We know that. And also, when it comes to this, right, the fentanyl ideas and whatever, if you want to stop fentanyl deaths, then you should just make test kits, like, readily available and all over the place. Test kits are easy to get. I've got a bunch of test kits at at our house here. I won't take shit without testing it. Um, But even to say, hey, it's not saying, hey, fentanyl traffickers, human traffickers. If somebody, he said fentanyl traffickers and human traffickers, you know, we're going to get the death penalty. It's like, that's obviously extreme. And it's like, well, maybe those people are being exploited to traffic this stuff. Like there's a billion questions to ask, right? About how that happens and why that happens. Um, and just killing those people doesn't really do anybody any good. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. It depends, right? It just, it just depends. There's a lot of variation in how people get wound up in this stuff. They could have been human trafficked into trafficking drugs. Does that person still get killed? Like put up against the wall and fucking shot? Not all. It's a dumb fucking thing to say, right? And you just say drug dealers. 
So now you're just going to make the war on drugs, which is one of the most colossal failures, right? Probably right behind Vietnam as far as colossal fucking failures in our country. So you're going to you're going to blame the drug dealers for the 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 war on drugs that you failed. Like the, the, the conservative movement in this world in this country failed us with the war on drugs. Has put people in prison that do not deserve to be there for way too long and acted as if I as a human being not even an American citizen but citizen but as a human being have the right to alter my consciousness in the way that I see fit as a free human being so if you're in support of this which I'm sure nobody listening to this podcast is in support of killing drug dealers right you're not a pro-freedom advocate. I had somebody be like, this is a great idea, and I'm pro-freedom 100%. Then you're not. You just want to tell yourself you're pro-freedom because it makes you feel good. It has nothing to do with your actual stance or your values or your principles. So saying a stupid fucking thing like that, like there was more things like this. It was just, it was absurd. And of course, Biden says dumb shit too. I get it, right? But it's a lie. It's lies, and it doesn't even embrace like the the, the the dynamic nature of this drug business. And if you think the wall was going to really stop drugs from crossing the border, you have no idea how fucking motivated the cartels are to get drugs across the border. <laughs> you can dig under the fucking wall. These people made enough tunnels to get their fucking boss out of prison. And you think a fucking wall is going to stop them from getting drugs? This is the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. It's a moral. So this guy's this guy's trying to ramp back up the drug war. That's already failed. That's like reinvading Afghanistan because the extraction was messy. It makes no fucking sense. It's a waste of people's time. It sure as fuck is a t- waste of money. And the idea that this was a, this was thought of as a good idea shows just how can disconnected this old orange fuck actually is. Let's continue. Not to mention the destruction of families. But we're going to be asking everyone who sells drugs, gets caught selling drugs, to receive the death penalty for their heinous acts. Because it's the only way. It's the we only don't way? We need any more blue ribbon committees we don't need i don't like to say this and i don't even know if the american public is ready for it and a lot of my people say please don't say that sir that's not nice they kill 500 people each on average who told him that who told him that lie like who the fuck got in his ear and told him that lie that's donald trump everybody i mean that's it he's a fucking idiot like jesus christ end the embarrassment 2024 please God damn. I just can't. But you know what? Prop 122 passed in uh, Colorado, so now we'll have regulated use of psychedelics and uh, plant-based uh, drugs. So that'll be good. DMT, Ibogaine, um, mushrooms, psilocin. Yeah. So that'll be happening. That's, that, 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 that's great. Because this is a state that actually, it's a purple state, which is really nice. And actually uh, is forward thinking and wants to innovate in ways of, of creating a, a better environment for, you know, our citizens. But instead of doing that, 
Instead of having that complex conversation and challenging conventional ideas, what Trump wants to do is line up drug dealers up against a fucking wall and put a goddamn bullet at their head. He's going to have a drug war Gestapo. This is going to be fucking fantastic. Thank you so much, Donald Trump. Pro-freedom. America first. Um, you know what the most American thing that you can do is? Not admit when you lose a fucking war. That's the best. America is the best at not admitting when they lose a fucking war, whether it be a Vietnam, Afghanistan, or the war on fucking drugs. The most American thing you can do is deny your failures. <laughs> so in that way, Trump is the most American candidate that's ever existed. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Element. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, chocolate Element, guys. Chocolate Element is what you need for the wintertime. They got chocolate mint, chocolate caramel, and chocolate chocolate, baby. Let's go. Put that shit in some hot water. Get your little get your water going. Don't boil the water. You don't need it to be that hot. But, you know, if you got a little kettle, just get that rolling. Okay, drop your Element in a little mug. I like a Yeti. I, have a, I have actually have an Element Yeti right here. It says stay salty on it. Um, I think stay moist is a better slogan, but that's neither here nor there. Um, drop it in there. And that's one thing about the element chocolate that's so great. It's like you can make it really strong or not so strong. You can go like, let's just use, we'll use a Yeti, typical Yeti tumbler. You can go two, uh, half of the way, and that's going to be pretty strong, or full up, and you get a big hot chocolate. It's still, it's not watered down, but it's not quite so tart. And so it, you get to really play around with like how much, sweetness and tartness that do you want because that's one thing about chocolate that's really cool about the palatability of chocolate is that the tartness is actually what we're a lot of times what we really like you think you want chocolate to be sweet but it's that combination of sweet and and tart and savoriness it's like all that blends together to create a really palatable experience and element has done such a great job with all of their chocolate flavors for that if you're skiing if you're out in the cold if you're doing your thing got Christmas coming up and you want to have some hot chocolate, but you don't want all the sugar because you're trying to not gain that Christmas 15, those holiday 15. If you want to get, do better for yourself over the holidays, check out the chocolate options from Element. And if, if you go to drinkelement.com, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com slash wanders, you're going to get a free variety pack with your order. So go in there. That's actually a great stocking, stocking stuff or two. Right? If you know anybody who's health-minded, who eats paleo, does CrossFit, something like that, uh, maybe keto um, or carnivore, like th- that that situation, anybody who like maybe listens to the Andrew Huberman podcast, like that that crowd, get them a box of Element for Christmas. It's easy, easy gift. Maybe somebody at work, you know, try that out. You know, it's a great stocking stuffer. Um, but yeah, you get the free variety pack with your order. So go ahead and make that happen. Go to drinkelement.com slash wanders. Link is in the show notes. D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash wanders links in the show notes do it guys order it make it happen even if you're you know a repeat orderer still use that link get yourself one of those beautiful chocolate flavors stay moist my friends now let's get back to the show so you guys may have seen that uh a couple of uh farmers in poland were killed by a russian made missile so we have this whole kind of narrative developing in the past 24 hours. So 22 hours ago, or 23, excuse me, Fox News says Russian missile kills two in Poland, the NATO ally. Russian missiles sail over Ukraine into NATO member Poland, killing two. After emergency meeting, blah, 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 blah Zelensky, we'll go into that in just a second. 
Russian missiles crossed into Poland, killing two. So this is 22 hours ago. So within the last day, right, numerous outlets definitively reporting that Russian missiles crossed into Poland, killing two. And then we have our boy Vladimir Zelensky, this cuck little bitch. God, I hate this guy so much. Um, he's a, here's the thing. Putin is like a piece of shit and like a, a killer, right? But at least he's not a whiny little bitch. You see what I'm saying? Like they're these Putin and Zelensky are both pieces of shit, but at least Putin's not a whiny little bitch. He's a killer and a war criminal and a terrible person in general and a dictator and uh, might have blown up a few apartment buildings to become president. Uh, it doesn't really seem like he's going to be leaving, even though no matter who wants him to, but that's Russia, right? Xi, uh, Kim Jong-un. Right, there's some fucked up there's some fucked up people out there. There's a lot of dictators that America's backed. But at least he's not a whiny little bitch. Like this motherfucker. Now let's hear let's hear what Zelensky has to say. The the biggest cheerleader in the world for World War Three. It says Zelensky accuses Russia of Let's just do this. We'll pause. Restart here. I'm gonna read through this. Today, uh, what happened today, we warned about a long time ago. We talked about it. Terror is not limited to our nation's borders. It's already spread into the territory of Moldova. And today, Russian missiles hit Poland, a territory of our friendly country. People have died. Please accept condolences from all Ukrainian brothers. How many times has Ukraine said that the terrorist state will not be limited to our country? Hitting, um, hitting missiles on NATO territory. This is Russian missile attack on collective security. This is very significant escalation. We must act. And I want to say now that all of our Polish brothers and sisters, Ukraine will always support you. Terror will not break, uh, will not break free people. Victory is possible when there is no fear. You and I don't have it. Wow. So he's fearless. He's a fearless leader. Zelensky is a fearless fucking leader and he is standing with Poland at the unjustified Russian attack of two farmers doing their job loyal hard-working Polish people Vladimir Zelensky of Ukraine stands with you the single largest recipient of military aid and funds in the fucking history of the goddamn planet stands with you Poland he stands with you. Now let's check this out here. This morning, the Secretary General of NATO saying that the blast in Poland was likely caused by a Ukrainian air defense missile, not a Russian missile. Our oh my God. What, hang on. The war hero himself, the bravest man on the planet, came out immediately and said that Russia was slinging missiles into you into Poland which could set off a trigger that forces the United States to retaliate against the country in the on the planet that has the most nuclear warheads right was it 2300 something crazy like that so zelensky thinking that russia had started slinging missiles into poland our nato ally comes out with that statement a flurry 
of legitimate news sources, legitimate, I put in air quotes, confirm that these Russian missiles killed two people in Poland, only to find out, now let's keep in mind that we're on the, we're, we're flirting with nuclear war here, right? That's, that's, that's when the dominoes start falling, we could end up there. It's very reasonable. Only to find out that the country led by the, by the flawless war hero, Vladimir Zelensky, was actually responsible for killing the two Polish civilians. Holy shit. Is this not exactly how this fucking war has been? When I saw this news yesterday, when I saw this come out that Russian missiles killed two in Poland, I go, I bet they were fucking Ukrainian. I bet that was actually Ukraine. That would be the funniest shit. When you find out that actually... It was fucking Ukraine, just like the ghost of Kiev didn't exist and all the other fucking nonsense propaganda that's been put out by fucking Ukraine to where we are on a propaganda diet. We don't even know what the fuck is going on over there. All we know is propaganda from Ukraine, propaganda from the United States, and propaganda from Russia. All of it's bullshit. It is all bullshit. And we fucking live out here and we're like, yeah. Let's 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 make a fa- a false claim against a nuclear superpower that's in a hot war with Ukraine. This is fucking insane. Let's continue. Preliminary analysis suggests that the incident was likely caused by a Ukrainian air defense missile fired to defend Ukrainian territory against Russian cruise missile attacks. This is not Ukraine's fault. <laughs> Russia bears ultimate responsibility as it continues its illegal war against Ukraine. Overnight in Bali at the G20 summit, President Biden already suggesting that it was unlikely that it was a Russian missile targeting Poland. It's unlikely in the minds of the trajectory that it was fired from Russia, but we'll we'll, we'll see. I like how Biden's in Bali and he's like... Just doing his thing. What if Biden just decides to become like a meditation teacher and like an influencer in Bali? You know what I mean? He's just like eating Asahi bowls and just like sitting around just finding his inner peace. You know, him and Hunter Biden are just there doing art and maybe create a little shop, you know, with some artisan pastries and Hunter Biden's art and they just live happily ever after. Just never come back. Just never come. We just have Kamala now. That'd be fun. That'd be a good time. I'd like to see that. Just live your best life. Just Bali up. Yeah, it's not it's not Ukraine's fault, you know. And I get it, you know. Something happens, right? Like somebody starts shooting at you, and you start shooting back, and somebody's it's like things can happen. And I understand saying like, yeah, you know, Russia is instigating this war, and it's reasonable that an air defense system missile can cross the border into Poland and, and potentially kill people. That's what missiles do. So I'm not, I don't really have as big of a complaint about being like, oh, it's not Russia or Ukraine's fault because, yeah, I get that. Okay, we're, we're on the same page. Maybe we can say it's not Ukraine's fault. But whose fault is it that we blamed Russia immediately having zero evidence to do so? Right? How about we get our fucking facts in order before we start, before we start trying to sling nukes at each other? Is that so much to ask for? Is that really so much for us to ask for? Say, hey, can you guys, the authoritative sources that get put at the top of YouTube search, right? You fucks. Can you get your fucking facts straight before you start trying to like, I don't know, start World War III, please? Is that so much to ask for? I just, I don't think it is. 
I have. I, I don't think that's too much to ask. But anyways, it's where we are. And 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 let's let me just be clear for the YouTube uh, for all the YouTube gods out there. Uh, Vladimir Zelensky is the best leader that has ever existed. He is pure and holy. He is practically Jesus fucking Christ. Um, he is. He, he should never be criticized or questioned. Uh, he should be given everything he wants. He should dictate the terms of everything. He should be given Crimea. I think I don't think even Ukraine should be given Crimea. I think that Vladimir Zelensky should get Crimea to himself as like a private, as a private area, kind of like an Epstein's Island type situation, but for Zelensky. Um, I mean, I think you know, it, it, as far as heroes go, I can't think of any single person who's done more good in this world than Vladimir Zelensky. And maybe by saying that, they'll put me at the top of the algorithm, but. Until then, maybe I'll just call him a whiny little cunt. <laughs> Which one do you think is closer to reality? So Biden was accused of buying votes with this whole student debt relief program, right? We had this whole thing where it's $10,000 or $20,000 depending on the situation, which I support. And uh, I don't like the way it was done. And, and I think there should have been a way. I shouldn't think it should have been paired with reform. I think it should have gone through Congress. And I think it should have been done in a way where it allowed for debate. And definitely not by fucking executive order. And definitely not by the exec- the way that the way that he even went about it. It was very strange. And I don't think that one person uh, or a handful of people even should have been. I said this at the time. Like should have been the ones responsible for this. I wanted public debate on this. I wanted to, I, I wanted to see how people went about it. And it, what I wanted to see here. With the with the student debt um, relief, right, is a forgiveness of some debt, probably paired uh, or dictated by the amount of interest one has paid on that loan. Um, that way, you're not you're not forgiving debt that is that has not been stagnant. The, the more stagnant and the longer the debt has gone on, the more forgiveness somebody is going to get, right, back down to zero. Uh, but if someone just got out of college, it was just it would have created, I think, a more robust system. I think it would have been harder to argue, and I think it should have been, should have been paired with massive reform. Um, if you allow people that have that that take take student loans to declare bankruptcy, um, that changes the value proposition completely for the for the lenders. And I think that that actually puts us in a better place where less people will go to school. But there's a giant cabal of uh, of universities that that are trying to provide a a amusement park like experience and it's a fucking joke. The whole thing's a joke. So just not addressing the system and forgiving $10,000, it wasn't the forgiveness that bothered me. I don't give a fuck about that. That's great. And people are like, "Oh, well, this it's 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 punishing the no, it's not. You're fucking stupid. That's dumb. It's a dumb idea. It's a dumb concept and it's fucking clickbait bullshit, culture war nonsense, okay? It's dumb. But that being said, it needed to be paired with enough reform that it was one of those things you could take to Congress and get people on the record and then go from there and say, hey, like this is something that's overwhelmingly popular, crazy popular, 70 80%. Even if someone didn't go to college, they could see how this makes sense and can actually benefit them uh, in the future or their kids in the future, right? Because at the end of the day, people think about even if someone didn't go to college, very often they want their kids to go to college, right? And get a, and, and, and have, and uh, especially if you're coming from, a, a working class background. That's, that was my kind of experience is that because my, uh, my grandfather who had, he became a millionaire, but like never graduated high school. Uh, education was something that he felt was in his, his, his lack of education was something that he felt, um, and steel feels, uh, he left a lot of money on the table and a lot of opportunity on the table. And, and he actually had to work harder than he, 
The dude just made millions of dollars just working his ass off. Like, it wasn't, he didn't work smart. He understood what was going on down a fucking oil well. That's, that's for damn sure. But he wanted me to have an education because of our extreme working class kind of situation most of my life and, and most of his life, certainly. So you see that a lot. That's more common than people would think. So when you think about, well, in the now, if you think about life in like this exact moment, yeah, you have that. But th- those people, those people, <laughs> like if you, if you pair it with reform, that's going to be helpful to people. They're not going to mind that situation. It's like, hey, let's write the ship. Let's kind of do as best we can to fucking ease the pain that we've caused with this corrupt fucking bullshit system. And then pair it with reform that leads to more people having this opportunity if they need it or want it. And then doing something else that require that, that also works with trade schools to scale that opportunity up for kids who want to work in something. I and mean, if you go to trade school and, and Mike Rowe has a good, uh, he's on Theo Vaughn's podcast just recently. Fantastic. Uh, definitely recommend go listen to that, but he talks about the trades and I, I say the same thing. It's like, if you want to get to six figures, man, be a welder, you know, being a mechanic, you make, you're going to make good money. Um, being a, an attack at even working for somewhere like Ford, Chevy, GM, that kind of thing, or going off and starting your own business. Like it, it provides so many opportunities and, and it, it really your limiter there is like competence and work ethic, which is not the case in many white collar jobs. Um, there's a lot more bullshit that goes into that whole world. And like, there's something very satisfying that that's overlooked about blue collar opportunities and how satisfying they are. Like I look at this and what I do here, it's like, it never fucking ends, man. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of always, you know, you make a run sheet, you do the show, you do the thing. Whereas I remember the feeling when I would, we'd be breaking out a string of uh, a string of flow line for three or four days or we'll be over a weekend even. And there's something you start and it's a fucking line of pipe screwed together and you go and you take them all apart and you go put them all on a trailer and you go take them to the yard. And it's like, there's something satisfying about that. All that, all those steps along the way of like seeing something get done and then you go do another job, and maybe that other job is different. You know, that was that was the nature of oil field construction, and something that I really uh, look back on. Like, and I, I try to recreate that in my own life now, whether that's clearing some property out or something like that. There's something there's something about satisfying about that process. But anyways, I digress. A federal appeals court has blocked Biden's student debt relief program nationwide. Again, I think this is probably a good thing. I, I don't like it because I think that $10,000 of relief would have been really great for a lot of people. I think it was like 4.3 million people or something like that. And we did see a lot of youth turnout for the Democrats. I think that was more of a, they, they have zero tolerance for the fucking stop the steal nonsense. But a lot of it had to do with like the potential for student death relief. Like somebody's at least doing something, right? Because the conservatives will sit up, the Republicans will sit over here and complain, but they have no other plan. They said, well, they should have said, instead of doing this, we do this, right? Instead of doing X, we do Y. And then you go, damn, actually Y is a better plan. But no, they just said, this is bad. We hate this. We're going to complain about this. Well, then present another plan because it's clearly a fucking problem. It's a big enough problem that people are coming out to vote on the issue, Right? And it's in the cultural zeitgeist now. It's within the Overton window to have this conversation. So let's have the conversation. But they don't want to do that because they're fucking cowards. Uh, So we move on here. It says, a federal appeals court issued a nationwide injunction temporarily banning the Biden administration's student debt relief program. 
The ruling in the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals in St. Louis in the latest series of legal challenges to President Biden's plan to cancel up to $12,000 of student debt for millions of Americans, the Biden administration stopped accepting applications for its relief on Friday after a federal district judge in Texas struck down its plan Thursday evening, calling it unconstitutional. Which it very well could be. I mean, there's a way to, again, interpretations of the Constitution are interesting. I mean, I think that maybe... You could make an argue that uh ah, never mind, we'll get into that later. The injunction will remain in effect until further no, until further order of this court or the Supreme Court of the United States, a three judge panel of appeals court said in its ruling. The injunction will put together a program put the, the program on hold pending an appeal of a lower court ruling that had allowed the debt relief program to go forward. The Biden administration could ask the Supreme Court to lift the injunction, which they clearly will not do. So yeah. It says we're confident in our legal authority, blah, blah, blah. No, you're not. Um, you just like to say that to make everybody else look like a villain. So I wanted to bring this up because really but most, but most things I said before the fucking, before I even read the article is like the Republicans have no antidote to this. They have no like, hey, we want to do this instead and reform the system. Their solution is less people should go to college. Taking advice from Republicans or Democrats on how to live your life is a fucking dumb thing to do. It's a really dumb thing to do. Right. If Ted Cruz tells you not to go to college when he went to the Ivy League, tell him to suck your dick. That's how you respond to Ted Cruz. Like, are you fucking serious? Even Ron DeSantis went to fucking Yale and was in a secret society. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, I mean, this thing is called St. Elmo. Um, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't know what this, I, I don't know what the fuck it is, but it's weird. You know, it's like, which is fine. I wasn't a frat. I get it. I wasn't in an Ivy League, but hey. It's like these Ivy League educated fuckheads telling you not to go to college is is a little bit hypocritical, don't you think? Don't you think? Um, so you need someone from a working class background to come up and like and speak speak for that uh, and create a plan that, that isn't just about going to a four year university that creates a more competent and capable workforce in this country that can then build a found be the foundation. That we build our manufacturing uh, future, our industrial future, our um, I- future of ideas, our tech future. Like this is all really important stuff. But there's there's so many like dirty hands businesses that are so fucking vital to our day to day life that we ignore and look down on. And that's that's a cultural issue that we're gonna have to address. And I think by bringing in trade schools into the conversation, putting this through a robust debate, having having something a plan put forward that is simple. And has majority support in this country is the best thing that the Democrats could have done here. Put the Republicans on, um, on, on in the spotlight. See what they have to say about it. And also appreciate and respect their opinions on the deal, right? But if you make it bipartisan, you do that. And then you put people in the hot seat. Then you say, hey, we got this done. Look at this. We can work together. We can make progress without villainizing anybody and having having uh, and moving the country forward. But that's just too complicated. That's too difficult in a world that is that is living in a state of crisis consciousness, as we said before. Well, now it's time for that beautiful part of the show where I give you something to think about. Let's go. All right, let's look into the crystal ball of the future here and say what's best for Republicans, right? Because I think there's my premise for reality, if you want to call it that. Um, I think 
that strong Democrats make strong Republicans and strong Republicans make strong Democrats. I think that more competition in politics is great. I think the way that the midterms went show how important that can be. And I think that people will now focus on candidate quality and how they resonate with their constituency. And that's a good thing for everybody. Right? That's, that's, what we sh- that's where we should be. But this is what, I, what I want to think about today, get you to think about today, is what's best for the Republicans. Right? With the premise that good Republicans make good Democrats, candidate quality on, on one side brings up candidate quality on, candidate, candidate quality on the other. What's good for the Republicans? I think this underperformance in the midterms, in the long term, is good for Republicans. It clears out the riffraff. It opens the door to, instead of having maybe contrary opinions on elections, right, and election security and denialism, um, maybe you can have contrary opinions in a different direction. And test that out, right? Innovate for your party in for, in the form of ideas in a different direction, right? Now, without with without the with the Trump kind of air out of the room, right? You get a little bit of a vacuum. You can start trying new ideas and see what resonates with people that are conservative leaning in independence, right? So, underperformance in the midterm could lead to that. Also, we got to think that the Democrats are going to get too comfortable. They're going to get a little arrogant here. That's what Eric, that's what Democrats do. It's one of their one of their favorite pastimes is being a little bit too arrogant. So they're going to get comfortable. They're going to be slipping. One of the great things about the midterms and in the future for Republicans, they get to finally accept Trump for who he has been the whole time. People were so surprised that the way he's handling DeSantis and Youngkin and all this other stuff and, and how he's just throwing shade, he has been this way the whole time. This is why people like me fucking despise that guy and would never vote for him. He's a petty little petulant fuckhead and no one wants to be around him. He's a silver spoon, rich cunt, and no one fucking cares. Like, he's, he's not smart. He's not articulate. He's not a serious person. And for me, you can say whatever you want about different politicians and whatever, and I get it. I would like for the president of the United States to be fundamentally a serious person. I'm not a very serious person. I'm also not the president of the United States. I'm a goober, right? I enjoy that. I have fun with that. But I have zero interest in being the president of the United States, right? I want the president of the United States to be somebody who is serious and can be taken seriously. Now, you can be fun and funny, right, and make a joke or two. It's good. It's poor. But Trump is fundamentally an unserious person and and a petty, insecure human being. And people knew that. I knew that from the beginning. I think he was treated unfairly, yes. But he also created that opportunity for himself and and reflected it. He got back what he put out. Right? The way we view the world and how we interact with the world is a reflection of ourselves many times. Um, Something that's good for the Republican Party. I think Trump losing in this primary, which I something that trips me out is like soccer and crystal. they, They are so wrong about this. Over at breaking points, they're so wrong. They think Trump has the Democratic or the Republican base by the balls. He doesn't, guys. And if he's bringing out low energy Trump like it is now, he's going to need a drug dealer to get himself back to who he used to be. He's going to have to do a little bit of a, a little nose candy, some nose beers to get himself back. And I don't think that's going to be good for his health. So maybe he ends up just snorting himself into a into a heart attack. I don't know, but him losing in the primary, I think, is so good the Republicans, and then a likely 2024 victory as a rebound against the midterms 
2024 victory for the for the executive and both uh, both congressional, the House and the Senate. So I see that kind of rebound off this midterm because the Republicans are going to be forced to get their shit together and they get two years to really articulate their message and try some new things out, see what resonates. So I think at the end of the day, we build this whole kind of idea on the fact that, or on the idea that underperformance in the midterms long-term is going to be good for the Republicans if they handle themselves appropriately. Now, Republicans are known for stealing failure from the from the jaws of victory every single fucking time. And uh, maybe they'll be doing that again this time around. But I think if they play their cards right, that's what will be good for the Republicans. And in turn, long-term, better for the Democrats as well. And dare I say it, better for the country. But Trump could also just burn that whole motherfucker down. Who knows? But anyways, it's something to think about. Guys, thank you so much for being here. You guys are awesome. Keep your fucking head out straight out there. I know we got a little heavy today. Sometimes it gets a little heavy. And you just got to, you know, when life gets heavy, lift it, baby. Love you guys. Talk to you later. Bye.